0: I teach students with developmental disabilities. The kids I teach are usually between the ages of 18 and 21, and they're transitioning from being in school to being in the real world. So I help them get job training, as well as functional academics and learning daily living skills. I do a lot of parent partnership and helping them into the next phase of life. I've been doing that for 20 years now. It is basically life coaching. (laughs) So I, I really think it's so interesting how All the pieces kind of fell together.
1: Welcome, friends. You're listening to The Hook with Sarah Larson, a podcast that's curious about disruption and how it affects our personal lives, our careers, and the people around us. I'm your host, Sarah Larson, a business coach and a serial entrepreneur, but also someone with a thirst for deep conversations. I know you're going to enjoy this episode, whether you're curious about starting a business, just beginning your journey as a business owner, or are a veteran entrepreneur, this podcast is an opportunity to learn from the experiences of my guests. I hope you'll find as much inspiration from them as I have. Let's begin. Welcome to The Hook with Sarah Larson. I am your host, Sarah Larson, and I'm really excited to introduce my friend, Denise Christensen-Ray, I cannot be more excited to have you here today. So will you please tell us what you do?
0: Yes. Hi. I'm so thrilled to be here. I cannot even, it's like a dream come true to be on your podcast. you're Actually, my very, very, very first podcast I've ever been on. So I'm really oh. thrilled about it. <laughs> I'm Denise Christensen-Ray. I do a lot of things. I wear a lot of hats, but I'm here to talk about my business. So I am a life coach and a creative wellness guide. And my other hats are that I am a mom of four kids. My kids are 15, 13, 10, and seven. And then I have my husband that I've known for 27 years and I'm a special education life skills teacher.
1: Awesome. Tell me a little bit about what is a creative wellness guide. Tell (laughs) us a little bit more about that.
0: I just believe that creativity is the crux of of health, to be honest with you. I feel like we need to be creative. Basically, there's a quote by Brene Brown that says, unused creativity is not benign. I might be saying that Mm -hmm. a little incorrectly, but if you don't give yourself time to let loose, do things that light you up it's not benign. It's going to come out in like ways that aren't very healthy for you. Maybe you're going to feel extra tired. Maybe you're going to be cranky with your family or you're at at work. Um, Maybe you're just going to find yourself scrolling on your phone too much or binging Netflix or whatever, which is not a bad thing every once in a while, but Usually it's because we don't, we're not giving time to do the things that we really feel like we want to light light us up and we're not allowing ourselves to do it. So I'm here to like guide people to remind themselves that it's okay to have fun, to be creative, to play sometimes, which is a word that a lot of adults kind of let go of when they were kids. When we were kids, we had play dates. We, we played all the time. That was like our job as a child. Uh, As we got older, all sorts of responsibilities got put on our shoulders. There were expectations. We had to get into a school or we had to get a job that we wanted that kind of washed out our our play. I feel like in general, adults don't really, like when I talk about play, people kind of cringe a little bit like, oh, I don't even know how to do that. What, What is that? And so it's something that I think is really healthy for us to bring back into our lives. So that's what I advocate for. That's the umbrella of a creative wellness guide or coach. I actually run retreats. That's kind of what my retreats are all about.
1: We will get a little deeper on the creativity in play, but I'd like to start as I usually do with your childhood and what that was like. Tell us about growing up and what was young Denise like?
0: Okay. Okay. Well, to no surprise, I was a creative child, I, and that's what I have tapped back into as an adult. But as a child, I loved art. I loved music. I never really became a dancer. I only did tap dancing for one year, and it didn't last. But now I like to dance. <laughs> I, I was really heavily into make-believe, and I loved like going to plays and just all things had to do creativity. My friend and I like created a whole magazine that we, um, is actually the precursor to the iPad (laughs) back in the day that we had like this magazine that you would like pretend to press a button on the paper and it was supposed to turn the pages for you and all that stuff. So I was doing all sorts of fun things like that, that most of us as kids were probably doing. I am the oldest of four kids too. So I have four kids, but I'm the oldest of four kids. And Yeah. As a kid, I was very creative, but I also had a lot of responsibility because I was the oldest of four kids and I was the oldest by a lot. So I, I am am five and a half years older than my sister. She's the next. So I was, I was an only child for five years. And then I'm nine years older than my brother, then 13 years older than my youngest brother. So, like, I was babysitting in order to get a car in, in high school. I brought my little brother to daycare I, as a helper for my parents. And so I, I kind of took on responsibility and I became really well known in my, for myself as a responsible person, a dependable person. And so I took, like, I, I was talking about how. I probably let go of some of the fun stuff because I was like, oh, I have to I have to get the good grades. We'll talk a little about that. I had a little bit of perfectionist tendencies and I was very heavily into getting really good grades and I did. And so even in college, um, I ended up as salutatorian. I had the highest grade point average at my college because I was... Um, A little obsessed (laughs) with doing work and all that kind of stuff. So I did let go a lot of my play and creativity and traded that to do things perfectly so that I could eventually get a good job. And then, you know, all the things I thought I had to do correctly. I learned actually in college that I was going down a path that was not necessarily healthy. Nobody put the pressure on me. My parents were like, not putting pressure on me. My boyfriend, who's my husband now tried to help me and remind me. My friends are all remind me that I did not need to be doing that, but I I had this like drive in me. So I ended up in counseling <laughs> to help myself with the anxiety that this all caused. And it was probably one of the best things ever in my life. Well, there's so many good things in my life, but this is one of the turning points in my life that one of my college professors saw how I kind of flipped out over a pop quiz coming up and they were like, maybe you should go to the counseling center. And I was like, what? Like, you know, I thought that was like the worst thing ever, but then I ended up being the best thing. I'm still actually my mentor, my therapist at the time, but now I've still in touch with her and she's like my mentor now Um, is is amazing. And she helped me understand perfectionism. And because of that, I brought in more creativity and play. And that's when I started to go to retreats, but that's kind of a nutshell. There was a lot of initial play and creativity and fun. And then I kind of got uber, uber responsible.
1: Well, it's so funny because, of course, we talked about this ahead of time. You said, what are the disruptions in my life? I feel like it's been pretty smooth sailing. Okay. Hello. (laughs) Being called out by your professor and sent into counseling is definitely a disruption. And it disrupted this identity of being uber responsible and perfectionism to bringing in that creativity and play. That's so cool. So yeah, so what ended up happening yeah. is
0: I started going to counseling in like my junior year. And then by my senior year, now I had already basically gotten like all these grades that were putting me on track to becoming valedictorian, which is which is nutty. And I didn't even want that. I was like, I don't want to be on like speaking. I just was doing it because I thought I had to be on this path. So I ended up uh, going on a retreat between my junior year and my, my senior year to a place called Omega Institute, which is a holistic learning center in Rhinebeck, New York. I went to college at Marist College. So it wasn't far from where I went to school. I went on a a, a weekend or a week long. I can't remember. I went on a retreat by myself, didn't know anybody. I was the youngest by far there. Most people were like their thirties, forties. It was all about the holistic wellness and learning about nutrition and taking care of yourself and mind body connection. And it was amazing. And, um, it, it was life changing. I loved every second of it and between the counseling and then that my senior year, I changed a lot. <laughs> I was a education major. I was going for, uh um, the degree, degree was called psychology, special education. So it ends up with a degree in pre-K through sixth grade, general education and K through 12th grade, special education. And, um, I was placed in a few general education classes that just did not, like, I didn't feel like they were the right thing for me. I did like this in the special education classes I was in when I was doing like internships and stuff. But I also was starting to get like a really big uh, feeling that I needed to learn more about counseling. It's called life coaching now, but it was very new. We're talking about 2001. And I was following Cheryl Richardson and she's a life coach. And I was like, I want to be her. So I ended up calling my mom one night, my senior year of college and telling her, Hey, you know, I was going to be a teacher. Um, I think I might be a life coach or a therapist or something. I don't know, mom. I think I want to try that out. I don't know. I want to be a teacher, but I also want to do that. I kind of wanted both. I decided to go back to go get my master's right away, not teach right after college and get my master's. So that was a big decision I made that I guess is also a disruption (laughs) and, um, in my senior year of college and then i also started taking a yoga class at school and i was painting and i was just doing all sorts of things in my last semester and applying to graduate schools and then uh it turns out that i ended up in the running for valedictorian it ended up being like an interview process like whoever was like the top four people went to an interview with the president of the college and when i went to the interview i think i supposed to talk about all your academics and i was like well I learned that there's so much more to learning than just academics. There's also health and well-being. And I talked to my yoga class I was taking. And I talked about all the things that I had learned about like myself at the counseling center. And I wasn't picked. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I got salutatorian. But it was funny because I was like, listen, man, like it's not healthy sometimes to go in that direction. And I had like I kind of wanted I, I would have talked about that in my speech. And I think they were all like, let's not, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> So I ended up going to NYU for grad school to get my master's in social work because I really still thought about teaching and you need to have your master's for teaching. So I figured, well, I'll get my master's in social work. It's a full-time master's. So I couldn't do it and teach at the same time, which a lot of my friends were doing when they started teaching, they would get their master's on the side and I couldn't do that. So it was a great experience. And then I stayed and did substitute teaching during that experience And decided to get into the classroom after all. I think God was looking down and was like, this girl's supposed to do life coaching as well. So I ended up getting a position as a special education life skills teacher. And I've been doing that for 20 years now. So it combined all of those things that you love. Yeah, it is. A A lot of social work is applicable to teaching life skills. So I teach students with developmental disabilities. The kids I teach are usually between the ages of 18 and 21. And they're transitioning from being in school to being in the real world and uh, either working or going to agencies after high school. So I help them get job training as well as functional academics and learning daily living skills. And then I also help the parents. I do a lot of parent partnership and helping them into the next phase of life and all that kind of stuff. So it is basically life coaching. (laughs) So I I really think it's so interesting how all the pieces kind of fell together.
1: Oh, ah, that's so good. And I, I think I knew you were a life skills teacher, but I really didn't put that together. So it was yeah. really great. I to, didn't put it together until kind of...
0: recently either when I've been really building my business yeah. and I'm like, and I was talking to people and they're like, Are right, you, you're so qualified. You have your master's in social work and you've been a life skills teacher for 20 years. Like that is life coaching.
1: Right. So Tell me, let's go back just a little bit. Did the therapist recommend the creativity and play type of stuff? Is that how you got into doing the yoga and adding that in? Or was that just, you took that away? because yeah, of-
0: I, I never fully let go of creativity, okay. even during the responsibility time. In college, I was in AP art. Um, I just didn't take lunch because that's healthy. Just kidding. Just kidding. So I fit in chorus and I fit in art and I just made sure I fit in these things. And so, like creativity never left me behind. It was always there for me to do. So it'd be like, I will study the library till eight o'clock. And then I would let myself paint a little bit. It was like, I yeah. let myself and I'm right now I'm learning, like, if I feel like doing it, it's healthy for me to do that creativity. And that actually will help me feed me in whatever other, other endeavors that I have to do as an adult who has other responsibilities. Yeah.
1: I think that's really an interesting part too. That instead of using the creativity as the reward, using the creativity to feed the mm-hmm. focused work that needs to that's be done. That's what I
0: like recommend yeah. to people, yeah. I I have to say like the therapist didn't like recommend these things to me, but she like encouraged them in me. Yeah. She saw okay. the spark I had. She knew, I mean, she's just an incredible person. She just knew what I was capable of And like, was just shining that light on me and like encouraging me to, to do those things. And that's what I want to do for other people.
1: (laughs) So something that you mentioned that I want to go back to is the fact that your high school boyfriend is now your husband. So how old were you guys when you met?
0: Okay, so I met my husband, Brian, uh, when we were 15. I had moved when I was 12, which was very hard for me. And that's probably what sparked my perfectionism, to be honest with you, because I was like, well, I can be successful in school. But I left all my friends, my grandparents, and we moved, I know, 45 minutes away, but that was a lot to to a 12 year old. So we moved 45 minutes away. And I was uh, devastated to say the least. It was a very big middle school I moved into. It was the third biggest middle school in the country. So my husband now was in that school, but we never met each other until we were 15 years old and we went on a trip to Washington, DC with our social studies classes. And that's how we met. I saw him from the corner of my eye and I was like, who is that? It was definitely like, I was smitten at first sight, you know, I don't know if it was love, but it was smitten at first sight. And then he saw me and he says it's the same. He came up to me on the trip and we hung out, you know, on the trip together. And then we took the bus back home together. And we found out that both our mom's names are Mary Lou. And we were like, that's it. It's meant to be. Yes. Both our moms have the same name. And then that weekend we went on our first date and we saw Toy Story in 1995 the first toy story. We've been together ever since. And even though we went to different colleges, we stayed together through college and, um, we got married in 2005. So we had, we were like together for 10 years before we got married. And now it's been 27 years since we met when we were 15. It's crazy, but it's also like, it's just our story. So his sister who, um, like very close with both both his sisters and he's close to my family too. She's 10 years younger than us. And so at the time she was only five. They used to play Barbie dolls with her and stuff. And then my brother who's 13 years younger than me is now is 29. But at the time he was only two. So he doesn't really know time without Brian.
1: Yeah, I think that's so cool that you guys have been so intertwined with each other's families for so long.
0: Yeah, I feel very lucky. He just was uh, such a good grounding me throughout all the anxiety and the perfectionism and he was just he grounded me throughout all that and has been since so it's really good for me
1: that's incredible well i I love hearing that story (laughs) (laughs) and so was your plan to have four children
0: Yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, I wanted three or four kids, but I really wanted four because I, because I always thought, if we go to an amusement park and it sounds crazy, I want us to be able to go on the whole, like everybody has a partner to go on the ride with, you know? So we actually just went to Disney world and I was like, this is my dream guys. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm just kidding. That's just in jest. I grew up with four kids in my family. My husband has three kids in his family. Mm-hmm. I just were used to that. And that's just how it, how it went. And it's perfect. Especially now as they're getting older and they can take care of themselves in some ways. Like it's it's not as physically draining as it was, especially because I worked full time throughout having all the kids. I mean, it took time for maternity leaves, but I've been a teacher this whole time.
1: Yeah, that's a lot too. I I, I, oh, I have major respect for that, Denise.
0: I also have a lot of help. We moved on purpose to the town where we grew up. My son goes to the same high school that my husband and I went to. My husband's family still lives here and my parents lived here just till a few years ago. So I had, when they were little, I had lots of help. And then we have like the best babysitter on the planet that's been with us for like 11 years and she's awesome. So that's a oh. lot. Yeah. It takes a village. That's for sure.
1: Right. So you started going to retreats. Your first one, you were, you said
0: 19 or 20? Yeah, I, was, I was like 19, 20. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And so tell me how that has influenced your life going forward.
0: Well, I learned at that time how important it is to take a break from the regular life, to get away and how A weekend can be so transformational. You can get so much more transformation out of a shorter period of time when you take yourself out of like the normal, regular, whatever's happening in the daily grind and you do something different and you take yourself away. And so that's what I did. And I felt so good. And I came back and felt like amazing. And I just knew that I wanted that to be part of my lifestyle. I did it for a bunch of years. And there were times where I didn't go, you know, a few years and so, or maybe more than a few years where I didn't go on retreats. And then actually it was September, 2021. And I, um, was invited by my friend, who's a coworker of mine to go on a retreat with her, with her yoga instructor was holding a retreat. And it was a day long retreat. I live on Long Island. So it was here on Long Island. I remember doing some yoga and it was like a flood of memories. I remember myself dancing when I had gone to Omega way back when I danced on stage with these like drums and it was like such an experience. And I, I just, I had such a great, just things that I would never usually do in my regular life. I was, I was doing, and it was people I was meeting and it like all well, kind of flooded back to me as I was doing yoga, and um, was like, I, I want to do retreats. Like I want to do retreats more. I want to host a retreat, and it like all kind of came. And during this retreat that I went to in September of 2021, um, we we ended with dancing, and it ended up with like we were. I was dancing with a fire actually. It's really cool. I have video of it. And I was like, yep. Like it sparked everything. I had this like my. I got completely lit up. My entire body was like, yes this is it and i basically told my two friends because my it was my friend that my one one of my friends invited me and then we had another friend that was there too and i told both of them i'm like i am having retreats and i'm gonna my first one in november so that november i like made it happen um those two people shout out to megan and jerry they came and supported me and then also our friend rachel came too and then i invited My friend Danielle, I knew she did yoga. She's a friend of my mom's and I was like, random question, would you be interested in doing yoga if I hold a retreat at my house? And she said, yes, she's a yoga instructor. She has her own business that she runs like yoga for like events. It's called I do yoga. She does it before weddings and things like that. And it was awesome. We did a vision board retreat and it was in November of 2021. And it was my very first like business retreat. And I was completely on cloud nine afterwards. It was just so great. And um, that's how it started having retreats, but wanting to be a business owner is, there's a story behind that too. It's been longer than just this first retreat. I can explain that in a minute if you want.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I would love to hear more about that. So now how many retreats have you held so far?
0: I've had three in-person retreats and then I have now created some virtual options. I have a virtual retreat online and now I also have created a membership program. It's called Creative Calm Studio. So, it's like a way we can we can bring the feeling of a retreat into our everyday lives by doing all the different things I have in this studio. And I also have a mastermind that we really do like virtual retreats together. So
1: it's great. And I want to talk more about that, but I will say I'm a member of this mastermind. And to start with, it was one of these things like uh, Denise and I are in another mastermind together. And when she said she was going to start one, I said, yes, I love this idea of these mini retreats as part of your life. And when you talk about adults who have given up on play, I definitely fall into that camp. I have had this conversation previously about how fun or play for me, I would have said was, oh, I love listening to podcasts. And I love listening to audiobooks or reading. Those are just great fun for me. <laughs> and, um, but that there needs to be more Creativity and all of that, and I thought I love this idea of this mastermind. I definitely want to be part of it, and I will say, it's just more than I ever anticipated that it would be.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I think what, I have this idea in my head, and I know what I'm envisioning. And I think, especially with this category of things like that's nice it'd be great when I have time I'll take time to do some more creativity when I take time I'll invite more rest and play into my life but when you actually do it and you're encouraged to do it it's like it benefits all the other aspects of your life if you're in business your business you're giving more ideas and juice to your business if you are a mom you have like more energy for those kids because you just took care of yourself. You just lit yourself up. Sometimes moms feel like a martyr where they're just always giving, 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 and you're filling yourself up when you take time for doing stuff like that. So that's why I really think like you're not the first person. Like I've had a few people that have been in the mastermind there, like I didn't realize how much I needed this. Right. And that's why I want to invite more and more people into the into the studio, the Creative Commons studio and the mastermind. And because I just I I know it's what people need. Um, it's a thing you don't know how much you need need. <laughs> if that makes yeah,
1: sense. Yeah, you don't know how much you need it until you take the time to do it. You and I have created this accountability partnership mm-hmm. for each other because we both realized that we sort of needed somebody to hold us hold each other accountable in order to get through the things that we need to do right sometimes it's difficult to keep an appointment with yourself when you are more concerned about keeping appointments with other people folks who <laughs> listen to recent podcasts have heard more about human design but as manifesting generators we tend to want to work on what feels good to us in the moment and it's important for us to know what we still want to achieve and get done in a in a time frame but we don't always plan every single day to the minute because we want to leave it open why i brought up the accountability is that when it comes to doing the creativity in play sometimes you need that forced thing on your calendar at least i do to yeah. make the time for that and having the mastermind to look forward to I am creating that time in my calendar. That's kind of an appointment with somebody else, but it's really for me.
0: Yes, yeah. So you bring up a good another a good aspect here is that that's part of what I do is to help people figure out how to get it into their calendars because that is probably one of the the number one things I hear is like, oh, that would be nice, but I don't have time. I get it. Believe me, (laughs) believe me. I a hundred percent get it because. Like we've already discussed, I have a lot of my, my plate as well, but I think like most people in our modern day do, um, but it's not impossible and it can come in like littler bits. And I talk about how retreats, yeah, a retreat could be great. It could be a whole week away in like Bali. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, it could also be a weekend or a day. But it also can be just like a little bit of timing that you put out aside for your day. So it could be a 15 minute block where you're like, I'm going to go into a corner of the house where nobody else is. I'm going to tell them I have, you know, an important meeting or whatever. And your important meeting can be about you and you can put on a meditation or you can paint a little bit or you can write or you can whatever it is that you find joy and that lights you up. You can take that little bit of time and do that in just a little pocket of time in your day. Listen, is it nicer to have an hour or two? Sure. Maybe you'll find an hour or two, but you can start with smaller pockets and it's possible. And that's what I've like, wanted to help people understand that it's possible and encourage them and then help them look at their calendars and like, let's figure it out together and have that accountability because yes, Sarah, it's been awesome having you as my accountability partner to talk through all the things that I want to do, because you're right. We're both in the human design world manifesting generators, and we have a lot of things we want to do. I think what makes us, it makes you an unhealthy generating generator or any type that you are in life is when you deny yourself from doing the things that you want to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But like we said, we have responsibilities, some have to's because, you know, you have to do your laundry. You'd have to do, you know, all right. different things. Um, I think it helps to know that you're giving yourself time to do some of the really things that you want to do that you're dreaming of that's on your bucket list or your dream list that you're actually setting aside time for that because you deserve that you're important. You're touching so many people's lives. And that's actually one of the things I work a lot with people who are caregivers. That's something that's really important to me because I'm a caregiver. Most of us are caregivers in some way because we care about people in our lives. People who are pouring out like coaches and teachers and nurses and all the people who are pouring out themselves every day to help others need to be poured back into. We need to do things for ourselves, exercise, nutrition, all that is so important. And so is doing what lights you up
1: amen is just all I have to say to all of that. I'd love for you to describe, this is something that really hit me when I heard you say it the first time, is what play and creativity does to your mind and body. Can you talk about the effects of that?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many effects of it. And I'm just going to talk about one thing that I did mention to you, but there, yeah, there's a lot of there's research on playing creativity that we can go into another time, but um one of the things that I find it does for me is it like loosens me up. It gives me life within me, it lets me do something that maybe doesn't have to have a result. Maybe it will eventually. Maybe it is something that maybe I'm making a painting and it will go to somebody, but maybe it's just for painting for painting's sake. It like lets me just loosen my brain, if that makes sense. And then after I finish that, all of a sudden i have ideas that weren't even there. Um, I know you have an example of that, Sarah. Yes,
1: yes. I was going to share that example because after our very first mastermind session as soon as it was over I had to go pick up groceries and as I was on my way to the grocery store I just got this idea in my head um, about a reel that I wanted to make that was sort of an advertisement for my podcasting mastermind the pod people and I just started talking into my voice memos in my phone to say, okay, this, 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 you know, this scenario, this scenario. And then I'll like record these and clip them all together and create this thing and came up with an idea to make it like a riff on a medication commercial. Like if you have these symptoms, then you you know, that, and it was really so fun to put it together. But I got that immediately after we had just been talking about play for an hour. And it was so incredible. And so I saw the immediate tangible benefit from taking that time and and doing that. And then the play that came from that was so fun because then, Our dear friend, Natalie Barnett, also, she participated with me with the recording of my little reel. And then she created this laugh track from it because we just cracked each other up the whole time we were recording. And so it was like we had a little play session while we were recording. It was just really a lot of fun. And I do think that that loosening that you talked about, that creativity was loosened so that I could tap into it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great story. And first of all, all the reels that came out of that were amazing. No. <laughs> so good. But yeah, that's an amazing example of why we need to take time to do this for ourselves. And it's not only, yes, it'll be so good for the moment to be in the present moment and have some mindfulness through creativity and play and rest. Um, but also there can be benefits that could be productive that can come out of it as well.
1: Right. Right. Something that I used to love when I was in high school, I was in um, plays and musicals and creating that reel and kind of writing a little script for it. And then doing the recording, it was really fun and playful. And it reminded me of that time of my life when I used to do those things. So,
0: yeah, I mean, we we always talk about like, what did you used to do when you were younger? Like, what did you (laughs) love to do? you didn't have to do all the other things that you have to do as an adult and a lot of times it ends up being like the things that you really kind of want to try doing now or you can dabble in new things like that's also playful too i'm all about dabbling and trying new modes of creativity um because why not like it doesn't have to be good that's another thing the enemy is is can to totally be perfectionism and like well i'm not good at painting oh i'm the worst at drawing or i hate cooking or whatever it is like well give it a try for just fun it could come out terrible but you might end up finding something that really does spark joy for you so
1: yeah it's true one of the other things that you suggested at one point was um I, you didn't call it a play date but you call it like an artist
0: artist date? yeah that's from julia cameron's book the artist way artist and- way She, many of you um, have probably heard about morning pages that came from that book. And then another part of the book is artist dates. And basically it's just like going on a date with yourself, like an adventure. I feel like play is like, not necessarily the best word sometimes because it's a lot of like background to it, but like an adventure just going on like a hike can be playful. Like planning a vacation is play. It's an adventure. It's getting you out of the everyday Grind that you're going through, like even though the everyday can be beautiful, a healthy escape can be like doing these kind of dates for yourself. Like, one of my favorite artist dates is to just go to a bookstore and put mm. some books and like magazines and get a coffee. I don't drink coffee, so I don't even know why I said that. Tea, <laughs> <laughs> most likely would be tea and some sort of sweet treat, but um, but yeah, like going and doing something like that and just really enjoying some time. By myself, but you can also go on artist date with like a friend, you know.
1: Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I really like. I love going to a bookstore and yeah, having a coffee and looking through books and just I love imagining bringing all the books home that I will never have time to read, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I love them anyway. And I love being in a bookstore. So when you first mentioned that, I was absolutely in love with it. But then, as you were describing that date, I realized my husband and I do that on occasion. He likes yes. to flip through the magazines. He has very specific ones that he likes to look at. So he goes and grabs the ones that are interesting to him, and I'll go find some books that I want to flip through, and we'll just sit there and have our coffee.
0: You could totally yeah. go on with somebody else and go on an adventure. But you know, I think sometimes just having time on our own is what our brain just needs because our like nervous system people. gets a little jumbled up with with all the things and all the people. So sometimes just going by yourself and doing something by yourself. What I've been doing lately is I've been stopping at shores. Um, I live on Long Island. So I've been stopping at the beach a lot and it has been so nourishing. And that's actually been a creative spark for me as well, because now I'm getting really creative playing around with my photography and taking a picture every day in some way or a video. And it's just like been a lot of fun for that, but it's something that I, I have to get to work and I just go past the water every single day. And I finally was like, wait, I can, stop for five minutes. I have five minutes in my day to stop. And I've been doing this is my, tomorrow's gonna be my 40th day of stopping by the water. And it's been really, really, really healing for me and, and sparking a lot of creativity.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. I love the reframing of play also as adventure. Because I do think that people think of play as being frivolous and I'm wasting time because it's not, as you talked about earlier, it doesn't have an end product or an outcome associated with it. But I love the term adventure. And I think that it probably does resonate with people who are a little more, I hate to say triggered, but.
0: Yeah, a lot of people love travel. And I think a lot of the reason why people love travel so much is because of that sense of adventure. That's that, that time where you're allowed to just play you can do the things that you don't usually let yourself do in your regular life. And what I'm encouraging people to do is to bring some of that stuff into your regular life so that it's not just reserved for when you travel or go on vacation. I think traveling and going on vacation is an amazing form of play. And I think it's a way for people to see like, oh yeah, okay, I'm playing. Like I didn't, I'm not calling it play. I'm not telling my friends that I'm, oh, I'm going to Cancun to play. No, you know, you're, you're going to Cancun to go on a vacation, but a lot of that adventure is playful. You're right.
1: Vacation is like going away to play. Mm-hmm. We just don't call it play. You had said you wanted to be an entrepreneur for many years. All oh, right. And there was a story behind that. So let you tell us what the story is.
0: Literally since I was in elementary school, I, um, I used to read like the babysitters club books and they had a business and I thought that was the coolest thing. So I got a few of my friends together, probably, I think it was like late elementary school. So we were probably like fifth or sixth grade and we created our own like babysitters club, but it wasn't for babysitting. It was like, cause we weren't old enough to do that, but it was like helping at kids' birthday parties. That was my first business. It was very, oh. we had probably like two parties that we ran. It was very profitable. No, <laughs> yeah, that was my first business. And, but I had that bug. I've had this entrepreneurial spirit, but I didn't really understand that I was an entrepreneurial spirit. I just knew that I liked I always thought about doing things, but it usually involves some sort of creativity, which is very interesting how it's like, what's happening now. Even when I was in like grad school, I had an art camp for kids in my backyard for my husband's little sister, who's 30 now, but at the time she was in elementary school. So I had her and her friends over and had a little art camp in the summer. And then um, all throughout, like, post grad school and like early career as a teacher, I was making cards and wanting to sell them. And I had like all these different ideas for business names. I started a little Etsy shop at one point. Um, I even had like a blog called fun family dates where I was going to help people figure out how to do fun, creative dates with their family. So everything's, it's always been kind of like leading me in this direction. I I was a stamping up, um, what's it called? Uh, Demonstrator, which is like basically an MLM. Is that what they're called? MLM. I had card classes and scrapbook classes at my home um, while my kids were really little. And I I actually had one not that long ago either. So I still kind of do that. But I've always like been wanting to do something. And I just recently, well, these retreats basically reminded me that, okay, this is something I'm meant to do. It's not just something I want to do. It's like, I have a calling to do this. I believe in a higher power. And I think my higher power is like, yep, we're not going to let the spirit die. I'm going to keep that entrepreneurial spirit growing in you until you actually say, yes, I'm doing it. And I just recently, and I think I know that this is the yes, I'm a business now.
1: Yeah. And that's the disruption that we talked about originally. This is this disruption. You, you created a business, um, you've been a teacher for 20 years and all of a sudden now you are also an entrepreneur. And how has that affected the identity? I mean, it's, you've always been leading up to this. So was it really an identity change or how do you feel about it?
0: Wow. Okay. So, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a complete identity change because it has been a simmer over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is changing is figuring out how I logistically make it all work because I have made the decision that I'm not going to let fear or doubt stop me. I'm in this. I know my mission now. I'm here to help women, especially caregivers, um, create more time in their schedules and their lives to have play, creativity, and rest so that they can be more vibrant and available to their whole full lives. So like I have a mission now and there's people who need me. That's what I'm working on now is like, okay, we're not playing business. That's something that I'm really having to work on. I'm not playing business. I am a businesswoman, and I'm committed to this and I'm committed to learning and growing. And it's taking a lot for me to like, You know, right now, what I spent a lot of time as I'm starting this business is like learning and diving into a lot of stuff and consuming. And that's actually what I'm working on right now is realizing that I have a lot of it within me already. I have the guidance that I need. I've hooked myself up with some amazing people. Allison Cullen, who was on your podcast last week. She's one of my mentors. She's amazing. Nally Barnett, who was also on your podcast. She's another one of my mentors. You're a mentor of mine. So I hooked myself with amazing people and now I know I need to just take the actions and that's what I've been doing. I've been really working on action taking um, and also confidence, believing in myself, knowing that because you're talking to a very new businesswoman here. Like I know you had some people who've been in it for a very long time. Like I'm a newbie. I'm here to say like I am in it and I'm not just playing anymore. I'm playing. You talk about how important play is. And I say playing business. That's so funny. But it's true because there's play that's fun and the frivolous time of just playing and like doing creative, like having a hobby business. Like I'm not a hobby. This is, I have a mission. So I'm here for something really important. So that's what I've been working on. That's been the, that's been the disruption is like figuring out how to fit the time in. Because like I said it's important that I also have the time for rest and creativity and play in my schedule and my life. Because first of all, that's really, really valuable to me and really important and essential. Um, so I have to fit that in. That's, that comes first. And then I have to figure out where the business also comes in because I um, am learning and growing and I have the full-time job of the poor kids. But I'm also a manifesting generator. And if you didn't if you know anything about manifesting generators, they can wear a lot of hats. And it like actually is healthy. I'm just learning how to work on all that and get the help that I need to like resources and get the support when I need support.
1: You are learning around. in the process too, of how to show your clients, how to show other people, look at how busy my life is. You wow. can make time for creativity, rest and play. Yeah.
0: What I've had to do is realize like you can't fit everything in. You do have to realize that there is a day, but also time can expand to fit things in a certain way. Like if you're if you're lit up, you're gonna get something done a lot faster than if you're drudging through something that's like not lighting you up. If you do something fun and you do something playful, you actually might get your work done faster later on in your day because you're not like, oh, I haven't done anything for myself. That's actually helpful. So I'm kind of playing around. Here, I remember that word again. I'm yeah. kind of playing around with that too. Like how I can expand time in ways like that. And then at the same time, one of the things I have to say no to because I can't do everything right now. If this, If the business is important to me and obviously my family is like, utmost importance. So I can't, I'm not going to let that go. And I, and teaching is really important to me too. So um, I'm going to be a teacher. So how am I going to fit this into, I've had to say, no, I can't watch a lot of TV. <laughs> just doesn't fit in my schedule right now. Maybe during a vacation, maybe I'll do that, but like a normal day, that's not going to fit in my schedule. I'm really working on how much I scroll on social media right now, because mm-hmm. it's not moving my business forward and helping people. And that's my big thing is I want to serve other people is just to like, you know, watch some sort of random celebrities thing on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. So that's what I'm learning is how to give myself constraint and how to say no to things that I never had to really say no to before, because I had some extra time. I'm in the process of that right now.
1: I love that imagery of, I'm not playing at business anymore. You you talked about all these different types of Jobs and and businesses you created over the years, and then you finally found the one that is the one, Mm -hmm. and you are a a real businesswoman. And I just want to reiterate that you Mm -hmm. are a real businesswoman, and I'm so excited to see what you're doing because I do know that it is needed and
0: it's powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Would, Would you like to tell
1: our listeners where they can find you on the internet?
0: Sure. So I'm on Instagram. My handle there is Denise Christensen Ray. I'm sure you're gonna put that in the show notes, but yeah, you'll see how to spell all that. Um, So you can, you can DM me there. That'd be amazing. I'd love to connect with you. So that's probably the best place to find me. And then I have a website, www.christensenray.com. And that links to my mastermind and my membership. I'd love for you to get involved in the membership. I actually can give you a coupon code if you want to add that to the show notes for the masterminds where you have a lot more um, intimate time to talk in a small group and to do some more like meditations and things like that we do together. And you also get access to like any of the retreats and programs that I make and things like that.
1: Denise, thank you so much for coming and being on the podcast. And I'm just so excited to see where this goes and watch your retreat revolution happen.
0: Yeah, oh yes, my retreat revolution, that's what I call it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you, you know, I love you, you know. I love you too. I, like thank you so much. Buddy, and your podcast is incredible. So I really feel incredibly honored to have my very first podcast be with you. So thank you so much. My honor for sure.
1: I was honored that Denise's first podcast interview was with me. Her business may be somewhat new, but she's really not new to business and has been leading up to this point for her entire life. She says, We are not meant to stay comfortable, bound tight in a bud, afraid to show our true colors. There's a cost to living this way. I've learned that by staying small and safe, I'm actually marinating myself in self doubt, anxiety, and fear. She is leading the way with her retreat revolution, showing us all how to find room for creativity, rest, and play. And not just room, but how vital these activities are to our mental health and our ability to perform and be productive in other aspects of our lives. Denise has provided a link to receive 50% off the first month of membership to Creative Calm Studio, her monthly membership that will show you ways to take care of the responsibilities in your life and have beautiful pockets of rest, creativity, and play in your days. She gives amazing value in everything she offers, and I know this membership is not different, despite the incredibly affordable price tag. Today, I'd like to invite you to a one-hour webinar taking place on Monday, March 27th. If you feel like there's never enough time to plan your social media content, let alone create it, or you feel overwhelmed because you're not sure whether to focus on releasing a new product, growing your email list, or starting a podcast, this event is for you. I'll be joined by my good friend and embodiment coach, Natalie Barnett, to present round two of our CEO Blueprint to help you clarify your vision, embody your next level self to make small changes that add up to a big transformation, and organize your priorities for the coming months into a realistic strategy for reducing stress and overwhelm while making strides in your business. Don't miss out. We're ready to celebrate how far you've come while providing the tools to move you forward. If you're listening to this podcast after the date of the webinar, sign up for my newsletter via the link in the show notes so you can be notified the next time it's offered. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook at I am Sarah Larson. That's Sarah with an H and Larson with an E. The number one way that people find podcasts is through the recommendation of a friend. If you liked this episode, take a screenshot and send it to someone you think will enjoy it. Or share it on social media. Be sure to tag me so I can give you a shout out. A great way to say thank you is to leave a five star review. My desire is that as many people as possible will be inspired by the stories shared here. Thank you, friends. See you next time.